Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church with your hosts, Jay Ewing, and like always, well, sometimes nowadays, Thomas Milburn. What's up, Thomas? It is sometimes. Sometimes. We have so many great people on staff now. We got to get people on. That's right. I, I am. If you don't know this, I'm the low man of the totem pole <laughs> at Calvary Bible Church. So At one time, you were. I am thankful I that you have found time on the podcast schedule to host me. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Hey, I want to start off this podcasting day recording with one thing, a confession. Don't worry, it'll just be just between us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I love Keith Green. Do you know who Keith Green is? I'm familiar. If you were a Christian before 1988, you know who Keith Green was. If you were born before 1988 and a Christian, you know who Keith Green was. He is some of the best Christian music you could ever listen to is Keith Green. That's my my one of my favorite loves. Is Keith Green's music. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense of a lot of things that I've asked, <laughs> had questions about. Uh, there, there is something true about I was actually, it's funny. I was just talking to, I think it was David Frush about this. Like what Keith Green did for a generation of Christians mm-hmm. to bring them into worship. Yeah. We were talking about who who do you think could possibly do that again for Christians? Because totally. a lot of musical artists now are just artists. Yeah. You know? Yep. And there's just not a Keith Green out there. Totally. My sister-in-law, her favorite love is, and I actually thinking about this, today with my kids taking them to school we were listening to Shane and Shane that's her favorite band of all time like that's all Old she listens stuff or new stuff both like everything about them she listens really to. yeah okay and uh my kids and I were talking about who our favorite Christian bands were you know and I was like it's like I love Keith Green it was amazing I'm surprised you didn't say Newsboys <laughs> nope DC Talk you know I actually I was I was a Christian post when they were like the coolest of cool yeah so they were other bands were replacing them when I would, became a Christian, as much as I know of them. Yeah. But I wonder, I would love to hear from the people that listen to The Weekly. Write us at theweeklycalvarybible.com. Let us know who your favorite Christian band artist was of all time. Is Nirvana considered <laughs> a Christian band? Did you Were you a kid of Nirvana back I, in your middle school I just school remember days? There, was a, there was a magazine. I don't even know if it's in print anymore like a popular Christian magazine. And I remember being in my teens and the, the head, like the, the article was why does Satan get all the good music? Oh my goodness. And I thought that's, that kind of sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> why is all the good music out there? Yeah, totally. Not rubber stamped Christian with a fish sold in a bookstore somewhere. A Christian bookstore. A Christian bookstore. Yeah. You know, that's, that's true. And also there have been Christians who have been great artists too over the centuries. So there's some out there. I think Switchfoot, I mean, those guys have been cranking great music out for like 30 years now. They've been cranking music out. Um, okay, so U2. Oh. Is U2 a Christian band? No, but they will be leading worship in heaven someday. Yeah? Yeah, no doubt. Okay. No doubt. Bono has to be there leading at least one song a day. <laughs> Never. I don't even know where this is going. All right, give announcements and right, let's hey, talking. Calvarybible.com is a great place to find out what's happening on your campus. You can select that. Also, the Church Center app is there on the bottom of the homepage. Get that. 
You can click mobile bulletin. You can click prayer requests. We would love to be praying for you. Oh my goodness. We love praying for you. As well as you can click at the very bottom, the podcast, catch up on episodes you miss on the weekly or the message that you miss because you went skiing on a Sunday or soccer. We know that life happens. So stay connected at Calvary with that uh, app, Church Center. Also, if you're new to Calvary, we would love to see you at Starting Point. Starting Point is happening on all of our campuses really soon. So you want to go to calvarybible.com slash starting point. Sign up today. It's a great place for you to meet the staff, the staff to get to meet you and your family. We just love hanging out with you. So uh, go to calvarybible.com, sign up for starting point. Some other big things are happening here at Calvary. We got refugees that we were working with. Um, also, we have Heart of Advent coming up really soon. I'm I'm not going to tell you what it is right now because details are getting fleshed out, but it's, you want to stay up to date. So calvarybible.com is a great place to do that. All right, Thomas, that's my announcements. Sweet. There's a lot happening at Calvary going into a busy probably holiday season. Yeah, really awesome holiday season. Starting what? with trick-or-treating. Yes, trick-or-treating, which your favorite holiday is happening in these three months. But it's not what we expect most often. It's Thanksgiving. It's your favorite holiday, isn't it? After after Easter. You like Easter? Well, Jesus did, <laughs> did rise from the dead. But uh, you, you say... I, I think I say Thanksgiving is the best holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it the best holiday for you? It's the best holiday for everyone. <laughs> they just have failed to realize it. <laughs> Uh, do you like Thanksgiving? I do. Yeah, I yeah. like Thanksgiving because the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving. There you go. So there's a, that's the football part. Oh, so yeah. So you get to watch some football. Yes. There's food. Yes. There's family. Mm-hmm. And then there's fun. Yes. Which is like games, activities, board games. Totally. Yeah. Yep. So. That's awesome. And, and no obligations of presents. That's exactly right. There's no, <laughs> oblig- no pressures of presents. So. Oh, my God. Okay, is your family a formal family where you have to dress up to attend Thanksgiving dinner, or do y'all arrive in like casual wear, or do you arrive in sweatpants? Like, what is your family tradition on this? Does everyone wear a tie? You know, all that type. You know, um, it's different. So everyone, I think, does put a, a collared shirt on. I yeah, think. I wouldn't say they're dressed up. Yeah, but like your Colorado, all day. Colorado, yeah, yeah, Colorado dress. Yeah, that could be anything, but. Uh, the goal really, and we've, we've done better some years and others not so well, but when Chris and I think of a great Thanksgiving, yeah. it needs to ha- like the meal needs to happen at two o'clock. Mm. We've had some late, you know, 4 PM yeah. and it's pushing it. Six o'clock's too late. Whoa. Six o'clock. It's like, yeah. but if yeah. you go before, before two, then you're up too early doing all the cooking. Like right. it, it takes me a long time to get all my dishes on the table, totally pies, everything. So Two o'clock is kind of the, the, the prime time because you want to eat again in the second the second meal. <laughs> yeah, totally. So if you eat at two and you feast till three, I'm not really ready to go for round two. Yeah. Until probably five. Yeah. But or if you eight start o'clock. at four, yeah. See, that's the problem. You start yeah. at four, it's it's pushing too late. Totally. I, I I understand that. I actually my favorite thing of Thanksgiving is post post. Two o'clock, yeah, we eat like one, two, yeah. right? And also stretches out your breakfast because you can wake up, start cooking, and then eat some breakfast while you're cooking a little mm. bit. So Get like cinnamon rolls or something. Yeah, totally. But my favorite thing is that post, oh, I'm a little hungry. I'm going to go like this 
pick some things. You yeah. know what I mean? And they're cold. Maybe some of them have been in the fridge right now. I love that meal. That's my favorite meal. Pretty good. It's pretty good. And then you got Christmas coming. And I love Christmas. I don't love Christmas Day because it means it's over. I love the time before Christmas that Christmas is coming. All right. So I, I just slipped into a, a quick depression. Yeah. Thinking about Christmas in October. But <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. Shake it off. Okay. So one of All the right. reasons why I bring up Keith Green okay. is he always shared publicly with his wrestles with faith. And I think he shared them with his, in his music and his life and his story. You know, we're in a really interesting preach here with Abraham in chapter 6 of Hebrews. I do have a point of why I confessed Keith Green this morning. <laughs> My love. Uh, what do you think about Abraham? As you started to study, reflect on, hear some preaching on Abraham, what do you think of Abraham? Well, I think specifically to what happened this weekend. So I, w- I was out of Colorado this weekend. So on the Erie campus, specifically Mark Luby, who's one of the pastors of our, our global missions, uh, he spoke. And he spoke about Abraham, and he used this word dissonance. Mm. And I don't think Perry and Boulder or, or John online or Thornton used it, but uh, this idea that there's a lack of agreement uh, between two things, and usually it's between something that's true and something that's believed to be true. So he kind of opened up with this question, you know, what did you believe to be true about your life? And then now you're living that reality. And what was the dissonance between kind of hopes and dreams and then reality? And he connected it with Abraham, with God, who is truth. Mm-hmm. And God swears by this oath. Mm-hmm. So he's going to tell Abraham a truth statement. And then Abraham, Abraham has to live into that truth statement. But there's a lot of dissonance, a disagreement. There's, it seems like God's slow to fulfill his promise. Um, he has to kind of work out, like, how is God going to fulfill his promise? Because it doesn't seem like that matches his reality. And so Mark was pointing out, and I think I see this in, in the story of Abraham here in Hebrews, of how do you live by faith? Hmm. How, how do you live by um, trusting what God said is true and just not, maybe not seeing it, experiencing it, feeling it to be true? Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of the Christian walk. I think a lot of Christians can relate to that, where I know what God has said to be true about his presence, his Holy Spirit, power over sin and death, and yet it feels like it's just not realized. Yeah, I still have to wake up, shower, eat breakfast, and go to work. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think the, the benchmark, though, is in order to have dissonance, it has to be against something that is true. Right. So God makes a truth statement here. What's that truth statement that he makes? Yeah, let's, let's dive into that. So what is the, the brief biographical sketch of Abraham that you would want everyone to know about? Abraham is the father of Israel. Okay. So uh, God makes this, this promise to him uh, back in Genesis, mm-hmm. the very beginning that he's going to call Abram um, out from where he's living to move to another location, a land that he doesn't know. Ur. He was in Ur. He's in Ur, going to Canaan. Yeah. And uh, from Abraham, he's going to have all these descendants and offspring, um, children upon children upon children. Him and Sarah are going to have this. Yeah. God seems to do these amazing uh, visits and dreams and visions and arrivals, right, to declare this stuff to him over a long period of time while he's he's traveling and moving about. And it's just really interesting for sure. Yeah, so he says in chapter 12, verse 2, to Abram, 
I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Hmm. So this is just an incredible statement that he's going to call a man. Just think about this. like Name, name two of Abram's neighbors. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Like out of all the earth, the earth still talks about Abram. John made this point in his message when you think of, okay, so God says all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. So I'm going to bless you so that you're a conduit of blessings. You're not, you're not a container of it, but you're a conduit of it. And then you look around the world, and the three largest world religions of Christianity, Islam and Judaism, all have this high esteem of Abraham. Yeah, he's the father of all the... He's the father yeah. of all this. And even if you if I go talk to my you know, Hindu neighbor, uh, they have a high view of Jesus and Abraham as well. Yeah. So you think, oh my goodness, how, how is it the world is still talking about a man named Abraham? That's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. It must mean that God was good on his promise. Right. To some degree that we're even talking about it. He didn't just disappear into history. Totally. So Abraham gets his promise, and he's what, at that age, what, 75-ish? Yeah. 75-ish. But God doesn't fulfill that promise until he's 100. So he is 25 years. 25 years. I haven't even been a Christian 25 years yet. (laughs) How crazy is that? Yeah. I mean, just let that settle for a second. Because in Hebrews 6, and we didn't get to talk about this much, um, where did I put it? He's, he's swearing an oath to Abraham. And in verse 15, and thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the prom- promise. Now, he, he really didn't patiently wait. Well, if you know Abraham's story. <laughs> just, I mean, 25 years, though, right? Right. Like that gets summed up in three words <laughs> having patiently waited. And Abraham's like, I'd like to add some more words to that. <laughs> Like 25 years, and the things that I had to do, go through, the way that I felt discouraged, where is God? Is he going to show up on this promise? But he kept going back to God being faithful because yeah. God made an oath, right? God did make an oath. What, what do we need to know about God making that oath? That's a really good question. This, it's interesting because there's a philosopher that Mark um, referenced over, over Sunday, and his name is Immanuel Kant, and he was a philosopher, and he had this idea, especially around this Abraham story that we're about to get to of Abraham and Isaac, of uh, that Abraham made the mistake of actually trusting God. He should have trusted himself and reason. And what Kant is referencing is that man's the center of moral, morality. And so Kant is trying to replace, or actually replace God within the Western culture of God is your ultimate reality. Now man is, which we see this play out now. Like I know philosophy is boring, but there's some philosophy is awesome. There's to most people. It's like really confusing and hard, but these philosophers actually have such influential writings over history. Um, but when God swears by himself, that means he cannot swear of anything in higher. You and I can swear of like on our mom's grave. Mark makes that. You know, I would never do that, mom. Yeah. <laughs> she listens. <laughs> we can swear on, you know, the Bible and legal senses. Sometimes we have to do that in the defense. Um, we can swear by all these things. Uh, Jerusalem in, in Israel's time, Jesus' time, people will swear by the temple. 
Because it's something it, it, greater than yeah, them. Yeah, it's because it's, so right? it's greater than... You're trying to get some credibility to your statement. Right. But totally. what, what's greater than God? Yeah, so he has to say, I am it. And there's a really... In, there's nothing greater. I have to swear by myself because this is this... I'm the ultimate truth. And that's the reality of like our lives today is that most often we live in... We are the reality of truth. So we're doing a manual Kant what he, he thought was the most reasonable thing to do. And in fact, we forget that God is the supreme being, ultimate reality, ultimate truth. And, it's, and the writer of Hebrews encourages us, it says, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, so that's another thing about God's character. It's impossible. If God says something, he cannot take it back or he cannot lie about it, which is you and I, we can lie all day. We can take things back. We can promise to our kids, hey, we will, I, you know, I, we'll go take you skating to, tomorrow. And then tomorrow happens like we're not taking you skating. We, we can, we can go back on our word. God cannot. Um, and that's just so important for us is that in our reality, in, in our day-to-day, the super practical, and I think Mark was making this point, and I think I was wrestling with it during the message itself, but do I believe that God is the ultimate authority in my life? Do I believe that because he's the ultimate authority and I can trust that he cannot lie to me, that he cannot change. What encouragement and comfort that gives me in my day-to-day life. And the implications are huge. I mean, the Bible's all about this God that's unchangeable, who cannot lie. And the implications for Abram, for Jacob, for David, for Solomon, for Mary, for Hannah, for Ruth, all these beautiful characters of the Bible is that God is faithful to his promise and he will not change that promise. And you and I have to believe in this as well and we were invited to actually believe this and walk by faith that God has promised things in our life. One, that he loves us unconditionally. Two, that um, he's out for our ultimate good. Like that's so important for us to remember. Three, he he wants us to um, flee from sin, to become holy like he's holy. Um, these are all things that we've got to live into, and it comes down to this. Do we believe God is the ultimate reality? And you have to wrestle with that. And that has to haunt you, and that has to really seep deep down in your being and say, okay, if God's ultimate reality, if I trust that, I know that whatever he says, he promises, cannot change, and he will not lie to me. That's amazing. It, That's like a world-shaping, and it is world, we call that the worldview of Christianity, but that's world-shaping for us as individuals as well. Yeah, because you get yourself into some prickly situations. Oh, yeah. You say, no, this shouldn't have happened mm-hmm. if God was yep. true. This shouldn't have happened if God was. You fill in the blank. Right. And so you have to live a very real life in light of God's promises. Right. Totally. And that's hard to do because 
as we're picking up in six in these themes of Abraham and as we read Abraham's story, there's a lot of middle season. And what I say by middle season is the promise was 25 and 100 years later it comes. Like, I mean, you know, I'm sorry, the promise is 75, 25 years, and the promise comes at 100. That's a long time. That's a middle season of doubt, which is part of the human experience, suffering, discouragement, um, turmoil. Those things happen to Abraham, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. is like, look at Abraham. Ultimately, God did not lie. And Jesus is greater than even Abraham. Jesus is greater than all these other characters. And so it's just a building of our faith. And, you know, I wanna, I'm going to ask this question to you. Like, how do you see the middle season, those 25 years play out in Abraham, Abraham's life? What happens in those years that are chaotic, confusing, discouraging, sinful at times? What do you see there in his story? You know, I, I pretty much just see my own story. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's uh, honest. That I is so honest, Thomas. That's so so honest. I know what I believe, and there's, if you want to use Mark's word of dissonance, like there's some dissonance of what I believe and how I live. Yeah. And I think this is where, you know, when we talk about this podcast, trying to connect what we, we heard on Sunday to your real life lived, um, getting some application. I think you want to keep living into what you know to be true. Yeah. So if, if you just put yourself in Abram's shoes, this God has called him and told him, hey, I'm, I'm going to bless you. Yeah. And I'm, you're going to have this offspring. You're going to have a child. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. You're like, yes. And he's like, I'm going to take you to a new land. Follow me to the new land. Yeah. And so his calling and his direction is super clear. Like in most of our stories, it's not that clear. It's not that clear. So Abraham has a head start than us, right? Yeah. In that. But then. So, so I think in these 25 years, he has to learn to trust God. He has to learn who God is. I think we often take Old Testament stories and we look at the character of the human and we say, okay, what principles of this human do we apply to ourselves to be more like Sarah, be more like Abraham, be more like, you know, fill in the blank. I think the storyteller is actually say, okay, let me tell you this human story that you're going to find yourself in so that it reveals a characteristic of who God is so that you know more and more of who God is so that you can trust him in your own story. Yeah. So what does Sarah and Abraham reveal to us about God? Well, he ain't in a hurry to fulfill his promises. <laughs> no but God. he will fulfill his promises. I think what we see is Abraham learns to trust who God is. And then when we get to this moment of Isaac, he's learned to trust God for who he is. Yeah, but so he did some funny things in it, between. Okay, so here's the first one. Okay, let's just let's put ourselves in Abraham's situation, right? So... Jay, I have a brand new land for you to go to. So just leave Erie, come with me to this new land. And this land is connected to the promise of a people and a blessing and a future. So you get there. This is, this is Genesis 12. We're talking like six verses in. You've arrived. You're pitching your tents in there. And then verse 10 starts off with, now there was a famine in the land. Mm-hmm. So the first experience you have of God's promised land is <laughs> a famine. You're like, this land's no, not so good. Yeah, it's like us going from Erie to, like, Kansas. <laughs> it's like, what? what's up with this place? It's like, promise. So you arrive there, and it's like, okay, so this is the God I'm supposed to trust? Yeah. This, this is how good his promises are? As I get to this land, and immediately the land lacks production. Oh, my gosh. 
that I have to leave. Yeah. And so verse 10 says, now there's a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. So he has to leave the land immediately to go to Egypt. I don't know what the timeline on that is. Yeah. Biblically, like in the, in the it's text a long here. Story. Yeah, it's a long story. But you think, let, let's give it some more time. Let's say right. it's three years. Like, oh, this is great. This is great. How much more do you feel defeated when the land all of a sudden lacks to produce? Right. Like, oh, this is that God. Yeah. And I think that's probably true for us. Like, hey, come be a Christian. Have your sins forgiven. And then there's new hardships just being a Christian in the world. Mm-hmm. Or there's just new struggles that... Um, when we start revealing our sin, we, there's things we don't want to live um, with anymore. And we're yeah. trying to get rid of them. We can't get rid of them. We think, gosh, there seems to be a famine of God's promises in my life. Totally. So he heads down to Egypt, which is always interesting, Israel's story with Egypt, well, going there for help. Well, it's this is a tangent, but like Jesus, Moses, Abraham, Jacob all have to come out of Egypt. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Just what, log, log like, that into your mind. And for, just meditate. Like, yeah. Chew on that. Yeah, it's a huge part of the story. So they go down to Egypt to trust there, but apparently Sarah is an attractive woman. Yeah, and Abram gets scared. He's scared. And so what does what does Abram tell his wife? Yeah, you're my sister now. Yeah, pretend we're going to tell everybody you're my sister. Yeah, and here's the thing: he, he's legitimate. You're like, oh man, Abram, what are you doing? But he just came through famine. He's in discouragement mode. He's in protection mode. He's they're suffering. They're going to Egypt to find food. But who's, who's he trying to protect? Yeah, himself. He's himself. He's himself. He throws his wife under the bus. Now, what, you know, we would be looking at this and say, oh, goodness gracious. Like What you should have said is, God who's faithful, God who promises, God who can't lie. But we don't do that. We should say, oh, you just go down there. You'll be fine, Abram, because yeah. you and Sarah are going to have a promised child. Yeah. No. No. He's human. He's human. Yeah. It reminds me that there's not really many heroes of the Bible. Because the whole point is God's a hero. That's right. So Sarah, you know, the, the, the king of Egypt yeah. finds her attractive, takes, takes That's her. That's a crazy story. <laughs> it's a crazy story. God totally intervenes, so yeah. Sarah's not violated, and um, she's returned. And, and Abraham, Abram's blessed from it. That he, The king blesses Abram. Tells him to get out of town. And gives him, like, all yeah. the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so they're out. And then, you know, you think, okay, they have another season where he's having to trust God. Mm-hmm. Um he has a separation with him and Lot, family member. Family. He has family discord. Like, yep. Is God going to be faithful? You think your family? family's messed up? Just read Abrams. <laughs> he has a crazy family. <laughs> All right. So now, now it's Sarah's turn yeah. to trust God. Right. So many years go by, and they're still childless. Yep. So maybe to help God fulfill his promises. <laughs> Which we all do. <laughs> Sarah's like, well, we could expedite this thing. Yeah. Um, let's, let's have you... Have a child with my servant. Oh gosh! So this is chapter sixteen. Yeah, and it's interesting. Abram listened to the voice of Sarah, Mm -hmm. and he thinks this is a good idea. What what should what would we say? Like Abram, what you should have said is God's faithful to an oath. God always comes through with His promises. Hang in there. Trust God. Yeah. No, they they have this. They try to they try to expedite God. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the child that that God promised him. He said, "You and Sarah are going to have a child." Gosh. So with his with his servant Hagar, they have yep. this child named Ishmael, who it becomes actually the theme, the thread to Islam eventually. It's interesting. God, like, just in His kindness, meets her. Yeah. Says, "Hey, I, you're not forgotten. I'm going to bless you." So I think I think God's kindness gets to be revealed again there. Um, 
it's funny from that story of trying to expedite God's promises or trying to, you know, accomplish them for him instead of waiting for them. My wife will has this phrase in our family. Don't birth an Ishmael. <laughs> That's a great. She's so like, I know God's going to show up, but maybe we should do this in the meantime. She's like, you, you don't want to birth an Ishmael. Yeah. Like just be patient. Wait on the Lord. Totally. So there's, there's another episode. Uh, they go, they go back down to Egypt. Um, this is funny because Ishmael and that whole family line is really tumultuous for Israel for the rest of the story of Israel. Yeah. It's really interesting. It, they have to leave that the, that to live in the curse of expediating God. Yeah. For the rest of their story. It, and that's part of like, that's us like not trusting yeah. God. Like what's totally. in our life that we wish wasn't in our life. Yeah. Because we didn't trust God. And what did we expediate that we're now living the curse of? We tried to outrun God, outpace God, outdo God. And we're leave. you know, that's just a human thing. Like it's what we're prone to do. So we get to, let's say, okay, so we get to this birth narrative, right? And Sarah doesn't even believe that's going to happen in her old age. So they get even older. That's the thing is like God is delayed. Right. What we would say is delayed. There's this dissonance of he right. promised. What's, what's happening? Nothing's happening. I'm not getting younger. It's not like, well, when I, he gave it to us when we were really young. Right. And then when we came of maturity... Now we're physically able to be in this season of promise. No, they actually they expedite that season. They live past they it. Yeah, yeah. So it, things aren't looking better for them. It's looking worse. <laughs> it's looking more and more foolish and ridiculous. And I think that's God. Uh, yeah, just you know, if He's going to start something, a new family line, that they're, the whole family is going to have to trust Him for forever. Right. I'm going to do something that's so audacious that you'll never forget. Yep. And so Sarah's laughing at this, and then finally. They're able to have Isaac. Oh, my goodness. It's just incredible. So 21, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Mm -hmm. So finally, the Lord fulfills what he has promised. Mm -hmm. So then that's where we get to this narrative of, of 22 we were looking at. After these things, after Isaac's been born, and he's probably a young man at this point. Right. Um, God tested Abram, Abraham and said to him, and kind of gives this whole narrative. Of, okay, okay, but this is... Uh, I thought God doesn't test us. Why do you say that? Well, me tempt us or test us. Okay. See, I think that's sometimes the confusing part of the Christian journey because James says he doesn't tempt us. But does God test us? Explain that one to us, Mr. Pastor. <laughs> Good luck, buddy. I think we're testing or what is what is genuine faith, mm. right? What yeah. is genuine faith? And I think if you're going to go back to God is sovereign and you're going to believe that God is in control, if you're going to believe that God is is good, then he's probably going to, like a good father, bring discipline, bring testing, bring a genuineness of your faith that's going to come out as stronger, refined. I think even in all these seasons, like whether God tested Abraham with the famine, doesn't say so in the text, or what's he going to do when he gets to Egypt? These are all tests of do you really believe and trust God? And I think those episodes are just quick highlights of not yet, yep. not fully. Yep. And I think that's true in my own story is I have a lot of not yet, not fully moments. Yeah. But the Isaac episode here, I think, is the revealing of Abraham's tested faith of, okay, you get it. Yep, totally. More fully. Can just, we go? Yeah, and I, I want to get there, but the middle season is usually 
meant for refinement. So if you're in that season of like discouragement, suffering, testing, if you want to say it that way, it's meant to refine you to something better. And I know that's hard and it's not very easy to do and it's not, it's sort of complex, you know what I mean? And I don't want to cheese it up, you know, and make it Christianized, but middle seasons of desert, so that's how the ancients called it. Darkness, that's how some of the ancients called it as well. Dark nights is the soul. Those type of things are meant to refine us because God is a God who doesn't want to keep us where we're at, no matter if it's painful or not. Yeah. I think that's really important for us to remember. Another word the Bible uses besides refining that I think is helpful is formation, Mm. right? So when you think of formation, um, you're being formed into something. So refining is I'm, I'm, extracting things that don't belong to so I'm purifying something, yep. which is great. Um, formation is I'm actually building, shaping mm-hmm. something and that's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. So when I become a Christian and I give my life to Jesus, that's the beginning of a formation, right? Um, though it's legally true that I'm right with God. Mm-hmm. Amen. No sins, crazy. past, present, future. It's amazing. can be held against me because of Christ. Um, and now I have this process of being formed Another word is sanctified, right? Mm-hmm. I'm formed into the likeness of Jesus to fully trust the Father like Jesus trusted the Father, to fully listen to the Father's voice as Jesus listened to the Father's voice, right? to have love formed in me, all of these things. Um, and that is, that's the process of faith, mm-hmm. which some people I think get really discouraged by because I think they just want to have arrived. Yeah, we, it's, it's hard to suffer. It's hard to live by faith. It's hard to step into difficult circumstances. It's just hard. But if you know the end, right? Mm-hmm. Like the goal of this is a formation to where I have my faith more realized, mm-hmm. the fuller understanding of who God is. Ultimately, you know, it with sight mm-hmm. with the Lord. But I don't know. I think every moment that comes then is this moment of, all right, Lord, what what do you want to form in me that I would know you better? And so you just look at Abraham's story. This is a little bit like, you know, hindsight, Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. But famine in the land. Okay, Lord, you brought me to this land. I didn't come to this land. You brought me to this land. Now it's not producing for my family. What is it that you want to form in me that I might see you and trust you more? Mm-hmm. All right, Lord, Sarah's getting older. I'm getting older. I don't see how the promise is coming together. What is it? In this season, you want to form in me. And I think if, if each person just postured themselves before the Lord, even in today's culture, mm-hmm. like, man, Lord, I am so angry about mandates. I'm so angry about masks, vaccines. I'm angry about the country. I'm, We're going there? <laughs> yes. Well, whatever. It's like real. Yeah, totally. You know, I'm angry totally. about the church. Why is the church not doing X? Or why is the church doing Y? Lord, what, what, is, what is being stirred up in me? Why am I afraid? Why am I angry? Why am I whatever? And what do you want to refine in me Mm -hmm. that doesn't belong to the things of Jesus? And what do you want to form in me that I look more like Christ tomorrow? And the question is, are you trying to outpace God in some of these things? Because you can only ask that question to God if you trust him. Yeah. 
right? If you don't trust him, then I, I think I'm going to take the plan into my own hands. Or you can you can only ask that question if you believe in this fundamental truth that he can only swear on himself. He's only he's the ultimate authority. Yeah. So uh, th- this is not like the easy answer. This is no, like, this, this is what is you not, do. Yeah. This is the hey, do you find yourself in the Abram story where God has called you to Himself? Say, come to my son Jesus. Mm-hmm. Come to a Savior you didn't know. Come to a a word that you haven't read before. He said, yeah. yes, I'm all in. And an eternal life now. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, all in. Yeah. Cool. Are, are we done? And you're like, no, now, now I'm going to form you. I'm yeah. going to refine you. Totally. But I'm faithful to do it. Mm-hmm. So, I, okay. I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, this, is, this is so good, Thomas. Oh, my gosh. So good. So encouraging for me. So, Abram gets tested in chapter 22. Right? Correct. He takes his son. He has to carry. His son actually carries the wood and the knife up on the mountain. Abram's 100 years old, and he's climbing a mountain, by the way. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) He's a pretty good physical help if he's 100 years old climbing. But he has to, in his mind, in, in all that he knows, sacrifice his son. It would appear that way. And I, I appreciated Mark just pausing for a second and be like, for you who grew up in the church and heard this story and it's white noise to you today. That was such a great line. Just stop for a second and be like, this is crazy. This is nuts. This is nuts. Yeah. And, uh, and people who are new this morning or maybe hearing this for the first time or have forgotten about this story, like this is why we don't believe these things. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So there's some cultural elements that we could get into, but I think one, you're looking at, the son's carrying the wood, so he's probably he's probably stronger than his dad. He could be stronger than his dad at this point. So yeah. I think Isaac has to participate in this. Yep. Um, but the, I think the key line is this: in all of it, is whether whatever you get else from the story is finally Abram says to Isaac, "The Lord will provide." Because mm-hmm. Isaac asks, "Where where's the sacrifice? Yeah, where's the where's the sacrifice? I he's, got the wood, got the fire." I'm helping you up this mountain. Yeah. Where's the sacrifice? The Lord will provide. And I think at this point, Abram, however it functions in him, he just knows God is trustworthy. Mm. He's trustworthy. That's a, Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That's just so... That's incredible. But God does not have him sacrifice his son. We should... If, if, if you're listening, you don't know <laughs> yeah. that. He doesn't have him sacrifice he raises, his son. He raises the knife. Yeah. He's he going to. Knife. But I mean, that's like paradigm shift anyway for Abraham where... Right. Other gods had asked children to be sacrificed, and Which, God's like, I'm not that God. It's another cultural yeah. sort of beautiful part of the text. Yeah, like, that's not who I am. You, right. you'll, this will never be part of worship with me. Um, yeah, I would never ask that of you. He links it human beings. to probably that's the Mount of, of Calvary. Yeah. It's in proximity, if not almost exact location. I don't know. The sun carries the wood. Jesus Christ carries the cross, right? Oh, my. It's like, it's so, if you're a Christian, you're like, this is... This, sort of, is, this is it. Yeah. And the only, the only difference, right? And oh, the, the only, the only yeah, difference yeah, yeah. is the, that Jesus dies. Yeah. The son dies in that story. Yeah. Jesus yeah. dies the for lamb. us. The, the sacrifice is killed there. Yeah. And he's the sacrifice. Which is why, G, why John the Baptist seeing Jesus says, behold, behold. the oh, lamb. There it the is. The lamb of God. The lamb that Abraham has been waiting for. Behold. Mm-hmm. There he is. It's beautiful, man. You've got, you've got, to, and this is maybe just another encouragement. We say this a lot. You've got to read your Old Testament so that your New Testament is so beautiful. Yeah, 
comes so to life. So beautiful, man. So amazing. So if 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 God, this is then you know the, the New Testament authors are pointing to this. If He did not sp- spare His own Son, yeah, how will He not also give us all things? Yeah. So that's the trustworthy of God. That's the trustworthiness of God. That's back to that. Do you trust God? Yeah. Because He didn't spare His own Son. He didn't. Yeah, that's right. He didn't do it. What more could He have given us? Nothing. So yeah. if He gave us everything, then can He not be trusted for all things? Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. And that's where you've got to go to Jesus and say, help me to do this. Especially in the dissonance of, right. okay, I've, I've seen the promises. I see what you've said. You'll always be with me till the end of the age. Uh, you'll never leave me or forsake me. You're the God of all comfort. You'll give me wisdom if I ask. Like all these great promises. I just don't see that realized right now. I mean, that 25 years of you making promises and, and then being fulfilled. But because of the cross, because of what you've done with Abraham and so many others, even in my own life, I trust you. Yeah. Totally. I trust you. So the author of Hebrews says this right after that. He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. I love that line. That's so, if you, that's why Christians get anchors on their arms. <laughs> I thought they were because they were sailors. <laughs> they sailed the high seas. But it's, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Follow it up with that. It's amazing. Just incredible. So, you know, it's back to the Hebrew series that we were talking about Jesus is greater than. Jesus is greater than Abram. It's the conclusion of this, right? Yeah. And Jesus is greater than Abraham because not only did he trust God, he was the he was greater than Isaac. He was the sacrifice. Isaac wasn't the sacrifice. Jesus was the sacrifice. It's amazing. It's greater than. And he has become greater than the priestly order of Melchizedek. Oh my goodness. We have another two hours of this podcast talking about Melchizedek. Which yeah, we Grab a drink. Here we go. Yeah, because I, we're going to talk about Melchizedek for a while in the next section here at Hebrews. It's going to be fun. Be good. We're starting okay. kicking it off this Sunday. Yeah. How many... I don't know if you know this, but how many preachers do we have in Melchizedek? There's well, he's, two. Yeah, he'll he'll be, he'll be primarily covered this week. Yeah, followed up in come, coming weeks. But we'll talk way more about him in the podcast than we will on Sunday. Yeah, totally. Because this is one of my favorite characters of the Bible. <laughs> how funny is that? I don't know why. It's just, yeah. He's one of my favorite characters of the Bible. He's mentioned three times in the, all of the Bible. And he's one of my favorite characters. I love it. <laughs> Hey, Calvary, we're so glad you're with us today. We're, we're so thankful that you're tuning in, joining us in these long conversations about our faith, about what we've been preaching on at Calvary, what we're learning in ourselves and our own devotional life. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. Also, we would love to be praying for you. Jump on the mobile app, jump online, submit a prayer request. We would love to be coming with you in this season, journeying with you this dissonance propping up your faith putting you from the lord hey we have a great show coming up in the coming weeks tune in you can always subscribe on itunes or where you find your podcasts and we will see you next week and mel see you friends